Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and Lyle. In fact, Mon is not here at all this morning. She will arrive imminently, we do suspect, but there has been a, a delay in the traffic on the freeway, which has caused delay in the traffic getting here, which has caused a great big long backup, and we don't even know how far away Mon is. So if you are wondering what I'm thankful for this morning, I'm thankful that when I came through, the traffic was only just starting to build, and we managed to zip, zip, zip through between it all and pass through that traffic without even uh, slowing down. But it did have that potential, and that potential uh, was obviously realized this morning because, yeah, well, hey, here comes Mon running up the footpath, just charging into the office. She is uh, coming through the door right now, around the corner and into the studio. So that means that maybe I don't have to do the weather this morning. Let's see. This is a reminder. You are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app. <laughs> Doing a pretty good job there, Lyle. <laughs> what are you thankful for this morning, Mon? Oh. Canvas, can I say canvas? I'm really thankful for canvas. <laughs> oh, canvas. <laughs> so, um, my art class is going well. Yeah, art class. Yeah, I graduated yeah. from beginners. And I, oh. I had a ball. Yes. And then I have one week break and then I'm going beginners too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited. I'm also really excited up at work this morning because by any means that traffic was just. Not so, you're doing a lot of community events at the moment, like as in, you know. You're really getting to know the local area. You're doing an art class. You go swimming. You go to the gym. You yeah. go to um, and yeah, all kinds of Latin places. class. And yeah, yeah, all that really kind great. of stuff. Yeah, I've decided. I just, I actually made a conscious decision that I was not going to sit uh, on my bed scrolling through social media when I got home from work every day. And that's, that's awesome. What led to that. Yeah, yeah. That's super yeah, positive. Was, yeah, I'm really happy about it. Anyway, this is Anna Beaton with Breathe.
back that was Anna Beaton with Breathe here on Faith FM and Mon uh, welcome to the show this morning yeah thanks uh, why is there a clue card out of the box like? I have no idea very suspect <laughs> <laughs> have I or haven't I <laughs> only one way to find out is to take a new one <laughs> you know why there's a clue card out of the box because you touched it didn't you to mess with your head no of course, of course. rat bag <laughs> I'm just going to hide the clue clue cards. Just hide them somewhere in the studio so you can't get to them. <laughs> and if ever I'm so late that I actually miss the clue, I'll just text you one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but how do you know I didn't look at the second one? You know, I could have. I could have, I could have thrown one. I could have. I could have thrown one out of the box uh, to, to mess with your head mm-hmm. and looked at the second one, thinking she's not going to use the one that's out of the box. If you had seen what I did, I actually pulled one from the middle. Oh. Yeah, okay. as is my usual custom, Lyle, I, I may because have, I already anticipate that you look at the second one. Because <laughs> I, I may know have, you. I may have read them all. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be surprising. <laughs> anyway, we we are working on the breakfast Bible quiz. Time to wake up those brain cells and tell me who this is. Who am I? This is a Bible character. I did what I could to kill off the Lord's prophets. Mm. Few of those, but I'm going to go yeah. with this one. You're correct. Give me a call if you think you know the answer. One eight hundred Faith FM. One eight hundred three two four eight four three. Text your guesses zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You can win bragging rights, or you can win an actual prize if you want it. Today we are going to give away a copy of. Mm, what should we give away, Lyle? Maybe oh, a copy that, of uh, the Ministry of That Healing. box on your desk looks kind of interesting. No. That box is mine, Lyle. <laughs> I'm not giving away. Unless someone desperately <laughs> wants a pair of <laughs> right-hand side uh, 2000 Hyundai Accent car door handles. Because <laughs> I've glued mine together. <laughs> um, I've got to tell you, Lyle, when you're late for work and you're scrambling to get to a studio on time, 
not being able to get the car outside the um the driver's side door is really frustrating. Oh, I'm just waiting for the passenger side to break so that you start <laughs> to have to climb in through the, the hatch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, please don't let that day ever come. But no, I've got a pair of car doors, uh, door handles right here. And I'm very excited about them. Um, I'm not sure when in the world I'll be able to actually get them installed. Uh, but we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully in the next week. <coughs> Take them to my son. He does that kind of thing for that uh, is the plan. His bread and butter. Yeah, that's the plan. I'm going to bribe him with food. Um, the problem is, I heard your son's a bit sick. He is. Yeah, so, so I'll have to be healthy food. I'll let him get better first. Yeah. Mm, okay. Anyway, give us a call. You can get a copy of the Ministry of Healing if you know the answer to who it was that was doing everything they could to kill off the Lord's prophets. One eight hundred Faith FM. What do you got for positively different news this morning, Mon? It turns out, Lyle, mm. I'm not the only one drinking seaweed slime. And oh, juice. okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, as you, as I'm sure some of our listeners know, um, every morning I drink a horrible concoction <laughs> along with my breakfast. It's one it of those looks like a turtle. It smells like a turtle. <laughs> no, it's, it looks like the, 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 the slime on the back of a turtle. turtle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It smells like it. It tastes like it. Mm-hmm. I haven't tasted it. Uh, no, you have one. Oh, did I? I that's right, some. I did too. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, no, it definitely tastes awesome. like it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's called turtle juice. I love how on the packets they're always like, has a really lovely sweet taste. And you're like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> this is an extreme health food. Yeah. This is not supposed to taste good. But I'm trying, I'm trying to get my blood back up to a donatable level. Uh, after having become anemic, spending two months in Africa, and uh, and yeah, so um, it turns out I'm really happy about this. But it turns out. My little turtle slime, my seaweed drink, um, could actually be a climate game changer, Lyle. Okay, so your turtle slime is uh, what um, sucking in greenhouse gases or something or other? No, through the you'll window never and figure your out how. Well, the connection here is. I'm going to have to tell you, right? Um, so there's actually a puffy pink seaweed that uh, Australian researchers are priming for mass farming because it can actually prevent. Cow emissions by 99%. It prevents cow emissions. So basically it stops cows from burping out methane. I don't know why they don't right. just give the cows charcoal because charcoal does the cows the same are thing. still going to poop and it's the poop rotting on the ground that causes the majority of the no, methane. No, it's, it's the cow gas. Because cow, cows, cows don't poop all day long, but they do um, have fluffs all day long. Okay. Okay, we're not going to say that word. Fluffs. Okay, they do fluffs. Fluffs is fine. I remember you using the word one time, though. Anyway, they, do, <laughs> they, they fluff all day long. And so, um, so and that, that gas is also methane, of course. And it's having a disastrous effect on, um, on the ozone layer. And, uh, and so they found, they found that this um, seaweed, this particular seaweed species, it's called Asparagopsis. Um, it actually grows prolifically off the Queensland coast. So like sea asparagus. So you have sea lettuce and this is sea asparagus. Yeah, but it's a pink one, a puffy pink one. I think it might be quite pretty. The colour of the drink is, is not too bad. Have a look at that drink. It looks, there's a farmer there and he's got it in a blender. Yeah. It actually looks like watermelon juice. It uh, looks like watermelon. Watermelon it juice looks is disgusting. Appeti- Get out. It's disgusting. Get out Watermelon of is delicious. Watermelon juice is no. also delicious. No. They're exactly the same no. taste. What is wrong with you? Mm. How can you? How can you think there's? <laughs> you chuck it through a blender and it tastes wonderful. Just, just, just eat the watermelon, all right? It's, you are the it's weirdest human being enough, to me right now. I am now. not the how weirdest human being. How did I not know this about you? I don't think we can be friends anymore. <laughs> sorry, I'm very offended because watermelon is my favourite food. And watermelon food, yes. Juice. Drink, no. What's the difference? It's one, is a, one is a one is, is a. Is this textural for you? Like, are you not into liquids? 
Because no, watermelon like juice and watermelon taste exactly the same. There's no difference in its taste. There's just, none. It needs watermelon water- is 99% fluid already. Okay, watermelon. So you take out the 1% and suddenly you think it's disgusting. But it needs to have the texture. Exactly. There you go. It's not a taste issue. It's a texture. So you don't to, like to taste, fluids. To taste nice. I, what do you mean I don't like fluids? Well, juice is a fluid. So clearly you have an issue with fluids. That's the okay, conclusion that's we've come a, to uh, today. Anyway, so this seaweed... Is found to have an effect. They did a study, like the past five years, apparently, um, uh, led by CSIRO, um, and apparently even a small amount of the seaweed in a cow's diet was shown to reduce um, the animal gases by ni- 99% is huge. That's, That's massive. a huge amount. Like if it's gone from um, being gaseous all day long to just... One percent of the day. Okay, but what's going to happen if you keep all these gases on the inside? Isn't the cow just going to explode? I've seen what happens when a cow dies and all the gases stay on the inside. You know, they get bigger oh, and bigger really? and bigger and bigger, and it becomes a mess. I don't know. Maybe that's why this hasn't quite gone worldwide yet. But um, associate professor Nick Paul, who is the leader of the Seaweed Research Group at the University of the Sunshine Coast, um, said that if Australia could actually grow enough of the seaweed for every cow in the nation, the country could cut its greenhouse gases gas emissions by 10%, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Because if it cuts 99% per cow, why would it only cut 10% nationwide? Uh, probably because not all cows are going to eat it not all oh, cows hang are going on, to actually, be affected This is just by greenhouse gas emissions as a whole. And I was going to say... Everything um, else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but th- coal, but this cars, is, you know, blah, 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 blah. Coming back to the eating Creating thing, batteries. Apparently, seaweed is actually something cows are known to eat. They will apparently wander down to a beach and have a bit of a nibble. Um, and so, they add it to the cow feed at less than 2% of the dry matter. So, it's not a huge portion they need to mix in there. Um, it, it completely knocks out methane production. Would um, it do this in humans? Well, that's why I was saying charcoal does that in humans. It, it, charcoal doesn't prevent the production, but it absorbs it. So if you you are you know if you're having a problem with gas, just try getting yeah some yeah, yeah 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 yeah. Uh, but that's why I was thinking charcoal. I, was like, I, I found charcoal not to be uh, really the world's greatest solution to. Um, it works fluffs. magic on me. Fluffs. It works magic on me. Just recently, because what I find is that charcoal stops me up. Oh no, you have to, well, you're not doing it right then, Lyle. You've seriously done it wrong. Anytime that you take charcoal in whatever form, powder or tablet or capsule, you need to then drink at least two big glasses of water to chase it. Yeah. There's yeah, there's no. no reason why I should be stopping you up. It will stop you up if you don't do it properly. No. Um okay, so uh so, so apparently the seaweed contains chemicals that reduce the microbes in the cow's stomach that cause them to burp when they eat grass. Um, and so, yeah, so the team is working on this uh, in Moreton Bay. Um, they're trying to learn more about how to grow the seaweed species uh, with the goal of informing a scale-up of the production that could supplement cow feed on national and even global scale. And that's the part that's a bit exciting for me, is like, can you imagine if it, it's successful? A new industry that makes lots of money, exactly. strengthens the Australian economy uh-huh. and does good things for the world at the same time. That's pretty good. Although I do think the ultimate answer is just stop eating cows. You know, we wouldn't have to have yeah. such a massive livestock. Dead uh, cows. Yeah, we wouldn't have to do animal agriculture. But mm-hmm. if you're going to do it, this sounds like a this sounds like a good step forward. Yeah, anyway, uh, hopefully it says they could actually save them billions of dollars um, and bring in a great new economy. So yeah, that's, that's, that's good news, I suppose. Anyway, this is Ellie Holcomb with Marvelous Light. We've got a great show coming up for you. Stay tuned. Who I once was Defined by all the things I've done Afraid my shame would be a 
You're listening to Ellie Holocom with Marvelous Light here on Faith FM. Mon, give us another clue for that quiz. Who am I? I was involved in idolatry and witchcraft. Mm. Mm. So this person was a witch and an idolater. Yes, indeed. And okay. tried to kill the Lord's prophets. So really a baddie. All right. This who is might that be? Baddie. A Bible baddie. A Bible baddie. If you know who that might be, then give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call. Um, or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. In Queensland, the parents of an ADHD child are suing the school, his school, for violent discipline. Oh, mm-hmm. what they do? Uh, so this kid was uh, prone to biting, kicking, and punching other students and teachers. Yeah. So he was placed in a withdrawal room. In other words, he's put in a room by himself for some time out and yep. give him some time to calm down. The problem was that when they placed him in the withdrawal room, they actually had to lead him to the withdrawal room because he decided he didn't want to go there. 
So he was running so off. Hence the violence. So by violence, you mean they, they took, took him by the hand and... Probably by both hands. Okay. And walked him there. Yes. Wow. So that's the reason for suing these days. You know what? This... Parents just need to calm down. If they're all so freaked out as to why their kids are out of control and then they go do this, it's like, do you know what? You are the problem. Okay, so um, <clears throat> they are claiming that uh, apparently he felt unwanted, <laughs> which has called psycho- caused psychological damage. Well, that kind of behavior of kicking, punching and biting is unwanted. Very much unwanted behavior. Yeah. It's so unwanted that if he gets to an adult and he's still doing it, they'll stick him in prison. You know, you didn't go through this era of school, but I'm, I was probably the last generation to go through era of school where the cane was a thing. Oh, no, I remember the cane. Oh, you, oh really? Yeah, but it was phased out when I was like in year one or two. Or something. Okay, yeah, well, I, I had it through to the end of high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, i got to tell you, we never had parents suing yeah. teachers and schools and that kind of thing for the cane. You got the cane at school, you get it again when you got home. Simple as that. <laughs> That's right, cane phase one, cane phase two. <laughs> and uh, we had a lot more respect for our teachers back in the day. We had one teacher who used to patrol our classroom, um, and we, we were um, we were the you know you know how every school has the the, the class. Yeah, mm-hmm. we were the class. No, <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. We were that one. <laughs> used to walk around the, the classroom with a cricket bat in one hand, a piece of three out down in the other. It was jolly good for us. The best thing that ever happened to us. Oh, Snapped nice. us into line. But anyway, um, I do understand that violence does get out of control when you give free reign to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and and as a result, some terrible things have taken place. I'm not promoting that um, Yeah, I, I don't think all. that canes need to be used in schools. But I also think there needs to be a level of sensi- sens- sensibleness, sensibility uh, when dealing with children. Because children aren't going to be angels. There's going to be times when you need to just um, – apprehend them if anything uh-huh. um, when they're just out of control. Well, the school is saying cases. this was done for the, that they have a duty of care to other students and to Absolutely. teachers. Absolutely. Because w- what option do they have? Like, next, it's going to be they can't touch the child at all. So the child is then attacking other kids and they just have to stand by because they can't apprehend him. And then the kid of the attack child is going to sue, the, sue the, the teachers because the teacher stood by while some crazy child atta- got attacked. Okay, and they had, when they took him to the withdrawal room, they had to monitor him there because um, he climbed the door and and climbed the uh, the louvers, which are made out of glass and prone to be able to break and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, which is dangerous. And so they had to um, remove him from those areas. And so once again, physical restraint. And the parents are upset that physical restraint was used. He then um, took the um, enterprising little kid, took the uh, door stopper off and tried to stab one of the teachers with the screw that was in the, in the uh, door stopper. Um, so this is kids is pretty out of control. I feel like they're getting to a point where teachers just have to let themselves be attacked and get stabbed, otherwise they're going to get sued. Like it's unfair. It's unbelievably unfair. And of course, it uh, generally took about two hours uh, for the parents to arrive when uh, he was placed in the uh, withdrawal withdrawal room. Um, and lawyers for the parents or lawyers for the child are saying that he feel, felt unwanted. Uh, that what the teachers did would put him at risk of death and what? caused psychological harm. How was he at risk of death? They were saving him from risk of death. If he's like okay, they said that glass. the school failed. You got to you got to cop this one, Mon. <laughs> Listen to this one seriously, honestly. The school failed to provide functional failure assessment plan by a qualified psychologist despite the school considering his behaviour so severe that it required detention. Have you ever had detention, Mon? Yeah. 
I had detention for an entire quarter. No, for an entire term. We had three terms in Tasmania, not quarters. We had terms. And I got detention for an entire term one time. This explains a lot. And (laughs) it did not require an assessment plan by a qualified psychologist to be able to put me on detention. Our world has gotten a little bit mad, you know. We we, we swing from one extreme to the other where we actually go from abuse Mm -hmm. to insanity. Yeah, yeah. And, And, you know, this is on the insane side. Now, you know, the media, of course, doesn't portray the whole story. I get that. And there's probably more to it than, you know, what we're able to understand here at this particular time. But our world is lacking in discipline. Oh, very much so. And... You know, the Bible speaks very, very clearly about the necessity of discipline. The Bible says that foolishness lives in the heart of a child. That is the way it is supposed to be. We are supposed to be the parents. They are supposed to be the children. They are not supposed to know everything. Mm, That's right. But when we hand over our behavior uh, and, and, and control of the household to the children so that the children now control the household, then foolishness reigns. And this is a prime example. And this is a prime example right here. We need to uh, we need to do something about the parenting uh, crisis that we have in Australia at the moment where things have gone to ridiculous I very levels. much want to know the outcome of this doing. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it's not just tossed out. <clears throat> Unless there's more to this story that we have not heard about and has not been reported. Uh, which may be the case, but anyway. But parents should be careful because remember um, a while ago you told a story, um, told a report about uh, over in WA how a teacher got fired, um, and the community lashed back at the mum who had complained and said that she was doing exactly this kind of nonsense. Yes, and she got heavily uh, bullied, like on Facebook and so forth. Oh, smashed! Yeah, and that's not nice either. It's not nice, but people need to be aware of that kind of uh-huh. stuff happening. Uh huh. Yeah, very much so. Okay, so uh, right here in the local Hunter, we are facing a drug crisis with a 41% increase in overdoses uh, per year over the last 10 years. That's a massive, massive uh, increase in unintentional deaths due to unintentional drug overdoses. And we're not talking about suicide uh, and that kind of thing. Um, And my town of Maitland is leading the way with a 183% increase. 183? 183% increase. What's interesting is that East Lake Macquarie, uh, the drug problem has moved from East Lake Macquarie to West Lake Macquarie, with East Lake Macquarie dropping by 36%, West Lake Macquarie increasing by 100%. Uh, the the, uh, the 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 rates of uh, unintentional death due to drug overdose in the Hunter Newcastle region are almost double that of Sydney. What so is this going is a on? massive um, opioid crisis. Um, things like ice, well, methamphetamines, benzodiazepines, etc. And what's interesting about this crisis is that most of your major health problems, such as obesity and smoking, are Mm -hmm. related to low socioeconomic uh, environments, Mm -hmm. whereas with uh, the drug overdoses, it's across the socioeconomic spectrum, but it is connected to rural and regional areas. Is it because people are bored? Well, I'm not really sure. I, I, I can see that, uh, you know, some of the pressures that are placed on rural environments by the drought, mm-hmm. you know, um, typically people take drugs, drugs when they're feeling desperate and it's a way of escaping from the pain and the desperation. So maybe that's got something to do with it. I'm not really sure. 
but it is definitely skewed towards you know regional rural areas. And uh, for the very first time, in uh, we have we now have a region where opi- opioids and heroin um, have overtaken alcohol as the leading cause of drug-related death. That's incredible. That's very sad. That is. That's just, I mean, alcohol is such a massive problem Mm -hmm. and a massive killer for these kinds of drugs to be overtaking it. It's just like, what is going on here? And, you know, what can we do about it? So definitely something that we need to be, uh, we, we need to be looking at and looking for solutions. Oh, another story here very quickly that the High Court has found that biological parents have parental rights uh, with donated sperm. And, uh, yeah, that's come down from, through from the High Court. I think it's a good decision, but one that is going to have broad-reaching effect uh, across society. Anyway, Chrissy Nordoff with Mercy Tree. You're listening to Faith FM. an endless mercy tree every broken weary soul find your rest and be made whole stripes of blood that stain its frame shed to wash away our shame from the scars Suffering, I'll praise your voice. 
Welcome back, everybody. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM, and that was Chrissy Nordoff with Mercy Tree here. Mon, what have we got for the next uh, clue for the quiz? Who am I? The Lord said dogs would devour me by the wall of Jezreel. Who might that be? Once again, if you know the answer, you know our number, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Give us a call right now. What's our prize this morning, Mon? That's a copy of The Ministry of Healing by E.G. White. Beautiful. Ministry of Healing. Fantastic book right there, and it can be yours for free if you can answer the quiz. Well, joining us on the phone this morning is our very own Neil Thompson. Neil, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Lyle. Good morning, Mon. How are you both? Good as gold. How are you? Now, Neil... Yeah, yeah. Sorry. My, no, I'm, it, I'm, I'm too excited here, Neil, and butting in all over the place, but uh, you are um, typically coming on our show to uh, to talk about, well, you've been coming on our show recently to talk about your latest book. Uh, you're known as a voracious reader of all kinds of books, and uh, so we always enjoy your book reviews, but today I want to talk about something a little bit different, and it relates more to your work. In the past, you've done a series for us on relationships. Uh, right. And uh, you've just done a weekend seminar for couples. Where did this idea come from? Um, look, and, and oh, I should say, I, I should say, just to butt in, I should say yeah. that Shell and I were at your weekend, and we it were. was amazing. Right. It was a blessing. <clears throat> um, and so, yeah, that's why I wanted to uh, have you come on the show and talk about, um, yeah, where, where did this idea originate from? Okay, so um, about three years ago, I did training in facilitating this particular series, relationship series. It's probably one of the best um, relationship series of its kind in the world. It's based on the best research and the best models. Um, it's by John Gutman Institute, and it's very good. <clears throat> and then um, this particular workshop that we put together was just... Um, it's something that I've been wanting to do for a while. The, this particular year, the stars aligned, so to speak, and we got all the ducks in a row and we could actually, A, we had the budget to do it, B, we actually had the time frame to do it. And so I said, all right, well, let's make this thing happen. So we did. Yeah, fantastic. And, uh, yeah. So, Neil, so, just, um, um, yeah. Yeah, go for it. Um, just tell us a little bit about your work because you have a, a fairly unique job. Um, that our listeners might not be entirely familiar with um, because you minister to a somewhat unique uh, demographic, I guess, in the community. So tell us a little bit about yeah, your work look, and then yeah, and, and, and then how that relates to the seminar. So my particular role at the moment is caring for pastors and I've got a team of um, 63 pastors plus others. So the, the total is around 112 or thereabouts who, in one way or another, I'm involved in their pastoral care, um, training, resourcing, a whole bunch of things. And uh, one of those parts of that is taking care of them and their families and the most important relationship they have in their life aside from God, which is with their partner. And I'm uh, really delighted that this year we're actually able to get in our relationship workshop with them. And um, it was really wonderful. Okay, so pastors... You know, pastors care for congregations. Um, Their work is caring for people. Their work is obviously, you know, helping people with relationships and that kind of thing. 
pastors are trained to deal with all of these kinds of issues. So why don't why why do pastors need care? Uh, um, being a pastor is probably one of the most demanding and challenging jobs that you could get anywhere. You're dealing with volunteers, which makes that difficult to to deal with. But on any particular day in their in their work, they could deal with someone who's um, a survivor of domestic violence or someone who's been suicidal, right through to um, the most magic moments where you've been asked to, to preside at someone's wedding or the next moment you might be dealing with someone who's just died and attending to the family and, and working out a funeral arrangements through to you're just doing Bible studies, sharing your faith with someone. It's, it's like this whole mixed bag of emotions that pastors go through in any particular day. And in the middle of that, they too are just people and they need people that they can unwind to, talk to, or reach out to to support, advice, help, connect, and so on. Sure. Coming back to relationships, and you particularly ran this uh, as a weekend um, retreat for pastoral couples. Um, pastors are trained to help each other with their relationships. Isn't isn't there an argument here for um, you're the doctor, you help yourself? What, what, why do we, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I love it. Yeah, look, there is, right? But that's the, that's the hardest thing. I mean, you know, sometimes even doctors um, abuse their own body in the, in the stress of what they deal with. And, and here in particular, in a profession that's focused on giving and serving the needs of your congregation and humanity around your, your parish, it's um, often one of the most strained relationships is the relationship with your partner, not because you deliberately set out to do it, but because there's so many demands outside the home that chew into your time, and so that can often easily be impacted. And it's just like any other profession, really. You know, if you're a professional and you're working and you habitually work long hours each week, it, it just impacts your relationships. And so, and, and on top of that, add to that the complexity that the hardest place to actually do any real work is on yourself or on your own relationships because you're in the midst of it and it's hard to be objective about it. It's hard to actually um, talk to your partner about it without them feeling like you're working on them. It's just, yeah, it's complicated, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I, can, I can tell you this from, uh, from my own experience. It's one of the things that uh, I appreciated about this weekend. Now, this weekend that you put on uh, was fully sponsored by your local conference, parish, whatever you want to call it. Um, which is North New South Wales, which is where you have this uh, hundred group of 120 people or so that you're ministering to. That's right. Now, now this is an organisation that regularly sponsors in the professional development of the uh, of the pastoral team. Why would they put money and effort and energy into something that is personal develop ra- development rather than professional development? Yeah, nice question. I, I think, Lyle, that the real answer to that is um, if if you actually help someone, so it doesn't matter what career you're in, so you just think of, you know, you could be a, a fire um, chief or a police officer or you could just be a, a builder or a teacher or anywhere. If your home relationships are solid, sound and really going well, your health will be better you'll be emotionally um, more secure and you'll be able to engage in the world professionally in much um, better ways, in a more functioning manner. And um, unfortunately, if your home relationships are, are impacted, if your relationship with your partner is strained, 
then that impacts every other area of your life. So an investment into the most significant relationship in a person's life is actually perhaps one of the best things we could ever do to help take care of people so that then with the home front being fine and squared away, they are then able to tune into the needs of the world in a more secure way, knowing that they're back covered and that their most significant relationship is healthy and fine. Yeah. Do you think that there is a? Uh, do you think there's a model here where um, other organisations can look at sending, you know, their, you know, and businesses can actually look at sending their uh, employees to this kind of a program where um, it will improve their fo- family life, improve their home life, and thus pr- improve the productivity of their staff. Oh, look, without doubt, I, I think you know the astute businesses actually do that. They, they would actually be investing in their staff to make sure that their relationships, their significant relationships with their partners and their kids are, are, are healthy, functioning and going well. It just, you just think, you know, if, if it's not going well at home, how distracted are you through the day as you ruminate on that, as your brain just thinks about things? It's, it's not a good place. Your, your attention is divided because you, you're under this state of duress and stress. Get that functioning and healthy. Instead of stressing about that, suddenly you, you've got all this bandwidth that's freed up to focus on your work. It just makes so much sense. Mm. And um, as I've done coaching with individuals as well, it, it's like often the relationship side of things is one of the things that will pop up because it's just front of mind. And once you get that into a healthy, healthy place, it's no longer, you know, dominating the front of mind and and people are fine to then focus on the other things that they actually need to get squared away as well sure the weekend that you put on was uh, focused on the uh, Gottman or Gutman um, research what makes that different from other programs oh wow um, just his attention to detail in research he he put together a thing called the love lab even before Big Brother had their their room filled with cameras and and couples and kids, you know, in, in rooms, he he created this love lab, he put couples in there, get them to have an argument like they might typically at home, and he monitored everything, um, videoed everything. So he monitored heart rate, sweat, urine samples, blood samples, and then he would talk with couples as they re-watched the videos together and say, what were you thinking here and what were you thinking there and um, tell us what was going on and um, how did, why did your heart rate go up, you know, what was going on for you and out of it, he was able to um, make some astounding um, results. He was able to predict if a couple would end up in divorce with a 91% degree of accuracy, which is just outstanding, after only listening to them for like 5-15 minutes. It's incredible. Um, and other researchers would go on to repeat his studies and actually be able to make predictions just by taking blood samples on couples newly married. And it's just incredible. But more than that, he actually was able to figure out what it was, what are the principles that actually make successful couples succeed in life. And he's put that together into a methodology together with his wife. And they've actually got something that really works at changing relationships for the good. What size, uh, what size samples of, uh, of peoples and couples was he dealing with and, how, and over what kind of a per- time period was this research done? Was this like a long-term project or... Um um, just a sort of fairly short one-off. Um, it, it's it's reasonably short. So, like we did, the, we covered the material in a weekend, 
we could have been um, a little more intense, but I wanted it to sort of be a relaxing weekend as well. Yeah, I was, so I was more referring easy. to the uh, the Gottman um, research. Did he did did Gottman do this research over a long period with you know a large pool oh, of couples? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, bit of background noise here. No, no, yeah, he did this over about 20, 30 years, just researching couples and following their stories and and uh, just piecing together the um, the different parts of the puzzle. So yeah, it's it's a it's a classic longitudinal studies that he's been doing and uh, still ongoing um, as they continue to do further research into specialised areas of relationships. It's just incredible. It's mm. the best material of its kind in the world. That's amazing. And, uh, yeah, remarkable how uh, successful they were at, you know, predicting success. I guess we could say predicting divorce, but uh, let's let's take the, the glass half yeah, the full rather than the grass glass half empty at, That's at, right. at being able to predict success. Which was, which was his whole point of doing it. It's just like no one needs to end up in divorce. Um, you came together, you fell in love for a reason. Let's rekindle that. And I guess, you know, just to give... Um, everyone a, a bit of an insight into, okay, what's the most important thing out of the whole thing? It's actually um, foster your your love for each other through fondness and admiration. So really get to know your partner, ask questions of them, not just about their day, but about their dreams, their hopes, their passions, all of that. Just really begin to dig into that. And the more you dig into that, the more it'll... Um, draw you closer together in friendship and that friendship then will work in different areas. I mean, he's got a whole methodology approach, but it starts with really working on your friendship and uh, your admiration for your partner. Now, you, uh, you you put this weekend on and obviously we just sp- spent a fair bit of time, you know, doing workshops, working through the, uh, the Gottman research and looking at, you know, what works and what doesn't work. One of the things that sort of jumped out to me was some of the myths of relationships um what could could you share with us some of those some of those myths that might be surprising to some of our listeners yeah look i i guess one of the the big myths that that comes up even the point where um therapists might still use this as their their prime way of dealing with a couple is just to say okay if we can just teach you conflict resolution skills and active listening skills that will help you actually solve your marital problems the the trouble is for the best couples it's able to give them a bit of a leg up for up to three to 12 months but afterwards there's a there's a very high recidivism rate where couples just go back to the way they were before um he's it's not to say that those skills are not are not good skills it's just that in the heat of an argument in the heat of battle most couples tend not to remember how to do that and it, it just falls apart and his research indicates it's actually no, not really helpful at all in actually transforming a couple. What is, though, is, is the other things like developing your, your deeper friendship and your fondness and admiration and learning how to have a soft startup instead of a harsh startup and, you know, on and on it goes. It's got, he's, he's just looked at the principles that actually work and that will actually help a couple process what's going on. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's a number of myths. Um, that really get in the road, and it's it's right up there with the the best and worst relationship advice you've you've ever actually received. Mm. Fantastic, Neil! Thank you so much for joining us this morning and sharing with us about uh, that weekend. We're going to move on with the show. This is uh, Josh Cunningham now with Three Chords. You're listening to Faith FM. Well, 
follow your heart is what they say. I know that if I do, I'll be following something I can't know. Deceitful and untrue. I couldn't love you if I tried. I couldn't find a way. Unless my heart is led by God, I'll only go astray. If we wanna be one heart, one flesh, one instead of two, there's gotta be three cords woven. God and me and you. If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes, only then can we say I love you. God is love. He gives to us a priceless gift that's free. He gave Himself. He gave His all unconditionally. I wanna love You like He does, Lord. Give me eyes to see. The only way I can is if You live inside of me. If we wanna be one heart, one flesh, one instead of two. There's gotta be three cords woven, God and me and you. If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes, only then can we say I love you. Well, love is kind, love never fails. It ain't boastful, proud, or rude. Bears all things, believes all things, rejoices in the truth. And love will never seek our own. Love's patient, love endures. And if we want love like that, it's what we'll have to do. If we wanna be one heart, one flesh, one instead of two, there's gotta be three cords woven. God and me and you. If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes, only then can we say I love you. To Faith FM, positively different radio. Forgiveness. 
it's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Jesus. 